the early stages were really about finding manufacturers and refining the product and testing the market. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 98 of the Make It British podcast. This is going to be the last interview of series one because for the next two episodes after this, it's going to be solo episodes from me until we hit the big 100 and I'll be taking a break until I bring you series two of the Make It British podcast in January. So on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Corrine Lewis-Ward. She's a designer and an artist and also the founder of a company called Powder Butterfly, which is a design studio that creates a range of beautiful British homeware gifts. Corrine actually trained as a photographer And her love of British landmarks led her to be inspired to create a range of very British gifts. She lives in Newcastle and her first range was dedicated to the Angel of the North, which she prints onto products such as tea towels, pottery, coasters and chopping boards. Since she first launched her collection, her range has expanded to include London landmarks as well as bespoke and corporate gifts. But when she started the business, she knew nothing about manufacturing and she only wanted to make in small quantities. So she had that challenge that many people do when they first launch a business of how are you going to find a manufacturer that's going to make something when you're first starting out. But she started with a few manufacturing firms which she found and who were willing to make her small quantities just to give her a bit of a chance and help her get her business off the ground. And these manufacturers have since become very valued and trusting manufacturing partners of Corrine's. So Corrine is a really good example of someone who started a product business but who hasn't come from a product background. But she just has a fantastic idea and a very positive attitude attitude. So I hope you're inspired by this interview with Corinne. Here you go. So hello Corinne, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh it's a pleasure. Um, I've been dying to get you on here for quite a while now to have a chat with you because um, I think what your business does is fantastic. Do you want to tell everyone (laughs) what it is that Powder Butterfly, what, what your product is and how that came about? Well, currently I produce landmark themed gifts. Um, We have a London, Newcastle, York, Whitley Bay and Farn Island collection. Um, And really it came out of having worked as an artist for many years and uh, worked in community arts and things like that. But I wanted to do something that was a bit more commercial. Um, And I also found that I wanted to kind of tell my own story through product so I started creating the Newcastle collection because I've been living here for 21 years now Mm. Um, and it was so popular 
that it just made sense to make a collection for my hometown, which is London. So it sort of grew from there, really. Um, but we produce a number of different products. I design everything, and then I use British manufacturers to create the products. Um, I did start off handmaking myself, but quickly realised that actually there are some amazing manufacturers out there that I really wanted to sort of take advantage of. Um, so we produce fine bone china, um, handmade wooden chopping boards with laser etched artwork on. Um, we produce uh, wrapping paper and a whole variety of gifts, gifts hip flasks, um, just a wide variety, um, candles, all sorts of things. And the candles are quite special because we use potters in Stoke to create the holder and then we get them hand poured in the northeast. So there's two manufacturers that make that product. And I think that's always quite special when you get a product that's made by multiple British manufacturers because every time the consumer buys it, they're supporting multiple businesses. Um, yeah. And I think that's always quite special. Um, putting putting food on the table for three businesses and, you know, um, helping the local economy even more. Um, so it's become a real passion of mine now to sort of work with the best British manufacturers I can find. Brilliant. And with, um, so you started off with Newcastle as your first landmark or your, your first collection. And yes. then you've added on, I mean, I, I'm obviously, I'm from London, so I love your London collection. <laughs> How do you decide which, which areas you're going to pick? Because there's so many fantastic landmarks and places in the UK. How do you yeah. decide what goes on? your products yeah it's it's an interesting question i suppose with newcastle it's quite interesting the first product i designed was a tea towel um and i actually designed it all in my head um it was kind of a process of thinking about where the landmarks would sit well in that format and um i've always loved the angel of the north because when I arrived in the northeast, the Angel of the North was installed. It's hard to believe it's 21 years old, actually. Mm. Um, but I made the Angel fly. So um, there's a number of flying angels on a, a variety of products. And that seemed to capture people's imagination. They quite like the idea of it flying, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, it kind of added a bit of whimsy to a sculpture that has been really taken to the people's hearts. With London... It was kind of lovely, actually, going back as almost like a tourist and actually looking at the different landmarks from the perspective of someone who was visiting. Um, and because I've lived away for so long now, when I go back, I see London in a completely different way. I think when I was living there, I was just entrenched in, you know, getting, getting to and from work and, you know, not really seeing the beauty of the place. Um, and so through the products, I've tried to select sort of landmarks that reflect the sort of eclectic architecture of this iconic city, but um, also its heritage. I mean, I have to say Big Ben is like my favourite um, landmark of all of them, simply because it's just so detailed and it's so beautiful. Um, and But then you've got the Shard, right next to it and the gherkin as well so you know it kind of i wanted to sort of bring that sense of sense of modernity to to sort of the land the skyline but also have that sense of heritage um selecting the landmarks is very much based upon 
some of the places I think people would be most interested in, but they're also places that maybe have some resonance for me as well. Mm. Um, so I suppose, in a sense, I bring my art practice to it. Do you want to describe what, because um, this is audio, exactly how you include those landmarks on, say, a, um, a piece of pottery? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people are aware of Skyline artwork. Um, it's not not a terribly new thing, but essentially what you create is, is a skyline that has the landmarks running across the bottom of pottery. So if it's a mug, then you you would have a series of, of landmarks that run around the outside of it at the bottom edge of the mug. Um, we've got a T for one set actually that's quite popular, which has the, at the top, uh, in the kind of middle of the teapot, it has the the landmarks, but then it has it reflected onto the teacup. So, uh, and, and it was just a coincidence that I found that obviously in Newcastle, you've got the River Tyne, but then obviously in, um, London you've got the River Thames mm. and the, not all of the landmarks are right next to water but that again seemed to resonate and it's it's kind of with each product you have to think quite carefully about how you're going to um, transfer your design onto it and that in itself is its own art form because you're not just thinking about how you're, you want it to look but you're talking to manufacturers about the process and exactly how far you can push it um, because it, you know, the T for one set is actually quite difficult to make because it's got four transfers, <clears throat> two on either side, and then we get hand painted with real gold. So um, it takes a long time to make. And there are a lot of T for one sets that are imports on the market that, you know, are like £12. Yeah, um, just made by machine. Absolutely. Not made by hand, not made by potters uh, in the potteries. And a lot of the workforce in the potteries have actually come from places like Wedgwood that have kind of moved their factories out to Japan. And I think that it's that attention to detail and also that kind of hand-finished product that you kind of have to talk to your customers about and say, well, this is why mine's more expensive. Um, and there is a bit of education that needs to be done, but I'd say it's getting easier. Um, a lot of people are starting to really switch on to the fact that when they buy from a British design company that makes British product, that they're having such a huge positive impact that it's getting a lot easier to sort of communicate that added value within the product. So very long answer to your question, but I hope that. <laughs> so you 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 have these um, the London, Newcastle, and other landmarks in your existing collection. But yes. what happens when someone contacts you and they say they want something different? Do you yeah, do bespoke yeah. items? Yes. So. Um, we have we do work with organisations and private companies, um, and I can provide them with a full consultation service, which basically means coming in, talking to them about what kind of product they need, um, and then designing something from scratch. And it doesn't actually have to be landmark themed; it could be anything. Um, and some of the companies that I work with 
on the face of it might seem a bit dry in that they might be still works or they might be a IT company or yeah. they might be something that you can't see sort of you know immediate sort of creativity or sort of creative inspiration but I tend to work with companies that have been around for quite some time and they have a lot of heritage locked away within their companies um and it's about unlocking that and presenting it to their clients so they might want product that is um used as gifts for loyalty customer loyalty um it might be something they want to use for an event that they have coming up and they don't just want the standard logo on a pen um kind of product it might also be awards and that's another thing that i do um so oh, they do might have, ah what yeah. sort of awards trophies or something that someone yeah. can give out Oh, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the processes that I use can be reapplied to a wide variety of product. So, um, awards seemed the next natural step, and I I produced awards for some local sort of uh, the Chronicle in Newcastle for their award ceremony, and because I work with such amazing craftsmen and women, um, it kind of a lot of the products are just absolutely stunning so you know awards something that you would put on a shelf and admire and be proud of it kind of feels fitting to sort of go down that route um so yeah so for staff who have you know achieved some sort of milestone or even for companies that give out awards to a wide variety of people that's another thing that i can do Um, so much better than the boring old um awards trophies that you see handed out those sort of bits of engraved glass that yeah just look so kind of stock standard don't they they do I mean I think that's the thing is that for me in terms of the souvenir market I wanted to do something that was actually you know a bit different um I wanted to elevate that and I wanted it to be British made and I thought there was nothing more frustrating than going into a souvenir shop in London, picking up something that was synonymous of London, looking underneath and seeing made in China. Yeah, oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah. That's and why I, I call grip wash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I thought, well, surely, you know, I also think that it's the same with awards. You know, yes, you can like mass produce, you know, awards that, of a, a, a very high quality but they're mass produced and the very nature of yeah. that means that they're perhaps not as special um so yeah it's and and also like I say taking my sort of arts training and sort of arts commissioning experience I wanted to do something that would make people's events stand out and mm. you know ultimately award ceremonies and all the gifts that produce for corporates are essentially a marketing exercise so and there are lots of mass-produced cheaper options but why would you go down that route if your competitors are doing exactly the same thing so um, if, so if ever i do a make it british awards i know where to come for the absolutely for, yeah definitely <laughs> and it is something we are thinking about doing people keep saying why are you not doing make it british awards to to recognise people that manufacture in the UK. So watch this space, podcast listeners. Very exciting. (laughs) I'd love to do that. Brilliant. So um, out of interest, like your, your, your collection, who buys it? Is it local people because they want to, because they live in Newcastle or is it tourists? 
So we get a variety, actually. Um, obviously, because I'm in the northeast, I do get a lot of local people buying the product. Um, but the end user isn't always themselves, obviously, because it's gifts that they're buying. Um, a lot of people do say, oh, I want one for myself, but then eventually buy, buy something for a friend. And they tend to send them away. A lot of people buy for family that have moved abroad. So ah, that is the best yeah, thing about, yeah. It's the greatest uh, sense of flattery, really, that someone's going to spend their hard-earned cash with you, but also that it maybe goes to LA or it goes to uh, Brazil or, you know, Germany or you know, all over the world. Yeah. Um, but then online, I do get people buying from Australia and the US. Um, I've sent teapots to Texas and, you know, uh, all sorts of places that people have bought, you know, um, especially the London collection seems to go down very well with um, people uh, in the US especially. Um, and then we get companies wanting to buy things. We just had an order from... A corporate company um, to buy London hip flasks. Um, oh, brilliant! Give, <laughs> and they they take them to China, um, and a local company up here who's a trend forecaster has bought a number of our Newcastle themed candles to take to China. So that's that- always great to know that your British product is flying yeah exactly you're exporting that's brilliant so are are you stocked in any gift stores or do you just sell online via your own website because it sounds to me like this product should be in all of the the best gift stores in London yeah um, to replace Um, all that nasty brick wash stuff (laughs) yes yeah exactly I think uh for me online is you've got better margins online there's no denying it um and you know i do sell through a number of independent um retailers mainly in the northeast mm. um but we're working towards trying to get into london but the high street is so challenging you know for and especially for products that is not going to compete on price yeah um so it's about building brand awareness so people know what we're doing and i always prefer it if a stockist approaches me as opposed to me having to bang on doors um so for for me it's really about exploiting our social media presence and also selling online and then targeting certain stockists i mean there's obviously the wish list stockists that i think would be fantastic to have the london collection in like harrods fortnum and mason selfridges those are kind of at the top of my list of you know uh stockists that i would love to have product in um but we've also got some exciting things happening online, um, which I don't want to reveal just, just just yet. But we're we're hoping that in the next couple of weeks something exciting is going to happen. So um, we're working towards something quite strategic in terms of increasing sales and brand awareness. Um, Brilliant. So, is, how long have you been running the business? I should have asked you that at the beginning. Yeah. Is, yeah. Are you quite well established now? Yeah, I mean, I would say I am. I'm like a lot of women. I've built my business around my children. Yeah. So um, I started in 2012. And I would say that, you know, I have been running for quite a long time. But the reality of that is, is that I've built 
a relationship with my manufacturers, which has taken me years to build um, and iron out those teething issues. Um, I'm not saying that we don't still have them. You know, yeah. I think every every business has its they challenges. Do. There's always challenges when you're developing a product with manufacturers and that will happen wherever in the world that you're making. I'm not going to sort of pretend that all UK manufacturing is going to run smoothly. And I'm sure that's what you found because you're developing a product Everything can go wrong in that supply chain. What what have been the biggest sort of challenges when it comes to the product development that you've found since you launched the business? I would say um, I'm, I'm, I am a perfectionist in many ways and I've had to quality check is, is everything to me. You know, I think ultimately I want my customers to receive a product that, is of excellent quality that doesn't have any defects that is something that they cherish for many years to come and removes that kind of sense of disposable nature that we've sort of attached to so many products um so i think the pottery is the most challenging in terms of trying to get that right um especially if something is complex to make um and you know, driving that home to a manufacturer that really they need to do QC before it leaves the factory and then I do a QC and, you know, that's really integral to making sure that the the product is, is right for the customer um, because, you know, we live in a world where everybody's on social media now and you can review a company and really damage it you know as a consumer um and ultimately i I know this will sound strange but i quite like it if a customer complains because i want to deal with it and i want them to go away happy um i've always felt that way i have very few customer complaints but when i do i make sure that they return you know and they want to come back and shop with me again um because i think i'm a customer I hate it when I receive bad customer service. So um, I'm, I'm very much of treat others as you would be treated, you know, um, and the customer is king as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, did you, did, as regarding your manufacturing, you say, you know, the quality and you're always really hot on it and, and you're making all your products here. Did you ever think about making things overseas? And is that why? Did you have your fingers burnt at all or have you always made here? I've, I've always made here. Um, I think as a small business, uh, outsourcing really wasn't an option because of the huge quantities that you'd have to buy in. I also felt very nervous about outsourcing to um, China or, you know, abroad, simply because maybe I am a bit of a perfectionist and I wanted to have more control over the end product and I was concerned about quality I was also concerned about language barrier and being able to communicate exactly what I wanted so all of those reasons and also importing I didn't really have any experience in doing that and I kind of wanted to start small and steady rather than just have huge amounts of product and I also think if you say have to buy a thousand units of a product, you better be sure that that's going to sell. Um, and a lot of the, you know, early stages of the business was about testing the market and seeing yes. what people wanted to buy. Yeah. Funny um, enough, I've done a pro- podcast episode about that. That's, that's gone out. Um, the one before yours actually, which yeah. is, um, 
Oh, actually, it was about um, testing before you launch, so you don't spend a lot of money on stock. Yes, exactly. And it's about refining that process. And I've been very lucky with the manufacturers I've found. I can produce in relatively small quantities. But, you know, when I was first starting out, even producing 100 units seemed really daunting. Um, It seemed so massive, you know. Um, So whenever you start a business, you know, that that kind of first hurdle of thinking, right, I'm going to spend five or six hundred pounds on one product you know and I've got to be able to sell it um so yeah the early stages were really about finding manufacturers and refining the product and testing the market Mm. and if I'd gone abroad I could have invested a huge amount of money in product that I couldn't sell and then the business wouldn't have really begun you know it would have sort of potentially faltered. So what sort of quantities did your UK manufacturer want? Was it around 100? And did that vary because you've got lots of different products in the range? I mean, you're, you've are got chopping boards and ceramics, so you're obviously going to lots of different factories for different types of products, which in itself can pre- present a challenge because you've got lots of different manufacturers yes. to deal with. Yeah. What sort of quantities did all those manufacturers want from you at the start? Yeah, um, with... With um, so I've got material goods as well, um, mm. like aprons and tea towels and bags, and they're all produced by the same manufacturer. And their minimum order quantity is a hundred units. Obviously, the more you produce, the better your margins because you know they can they they reduce their prices per unit. Um, with Stoke in terms of the potteries and ceramics again it's 100 units in terms of um they produce um you know transfers to actually go onto the product and they produce 100 transfers but if you've got say you know five products then that's 500 transfers so you know you have to think quite carefully about what you're going to produce Mm. um I'm lucky with my candle maker she's a sole trader so she produces in quite small quantities um but I have a feeling that the candles are going to prove to be very popular so you know I have to think about what her capacity is and you know whether or not we'll outgrow what she can do for us I hope Mm. not because I love working with her she's another mum with two kids and you know she's doing a great job um the chopping boards are actually some of them are um off the shelf uh they're the kind of everyday boards so you know we we don't necessarily we just buy those in but the luxury ones are handmade by a furniture designer in Newcastle and he produces those in quite small batches but they're very special um we tend to get people buying those um for weddings and we personalize them um or that it might be for a big birthday put quotes on or names and dates and things like that so they vary to be honest with you um mm. but, the, but, it's, I but think, manageable to start with with just 100 absolutely. which you would like you say you wouldn't have got if you'd gone yeah. to china for these products I think one of the most exciting products for me, funnily enough, is our enamel uh, pin badges and key rings. I've seen so many of those on the high street that are made in China. Um, and I did quite a lot of research to find a manufacturer in Britain that could produce the ones that I wanted. Yeah. At, 
I actually found that some competitors were getting theirs produced and saying they were British, but they're not. Ooh, I know. Britwash again. I know. And it's, <laughs> it's a shame because I think that the big rule of thumb for me is, is if, um, you know, when you're producing a keyring or a pin badge and it takes six to eight weeks to produce, then you kind of know it's being imported. Um, yeah, and exactly. A lot of um, the manufacturers out there say, um, uh, British made but you've really got to ask them the specific yeah. question is the product I'm ordering made in Britain and they'll say no that one in particular is brought in from China um, so the company that I use are in Birmingham which I've been told is the jewellery quarter yep. of um, Britain yeah. which I didn't realise and actually uh, the pin badges and the key rings do lend themselves to potentially being jewellery and it's something that I will be talking to them about, but they produce in a smaller batch as 50. So you don't have to buy. I mean, obviously if you buy 200, it gets much cheaper. Um, but yeah, you can just test it and see how it goes and then, and then increase your quantities. And then that obviously has an effect on your margins. Um, but it's important to me to have those higher ticket items, which are around the 60, 70 pound mark, but also have those entry level products that everybody can afford. Yeah. Um, so they can get on board with the brand. And then you tend to get repeat custom when they think of a special occasion that they might want a slightly more expensive product. Um, but if having those kinds of manufacturers that can produce smaller quantities is really helpful um, because it mm. just it just helps you have that level of flexibility and providing stockists with a wide variety of product that they can you know buy into is also really important. Yeah. Um, so, who has been the biggest influence on your business since you since you launched? Um, I think for me, it's it's. It's other women in business that I've watched. Um, and I would say some of them are friends, actually. Uh, in the Northeast, there's quite a rich variety of women in business that are doing great things. And they're just lovely people to be around, you know, because they're just forging ahead and they're not being restricted by, um, you know, unequal pay or yeah. um, unequal opportunities. Um, so a lot of those women tend to be my inspiration. We're actually doing a blog post about women in business on our website, mm. um, which is going to be released at the end of the month. And oh, great. So we can link to that in the podcast show notes to go yeah, with that, this. That would be amazing because yeah. um, there's some people on there that, you know, are kind of like well-known. But I also think it's those people that are grassroots who are just doing what they do and mm. forging ahead. And there's such an eclectic group of women out there that are doing great things in business. Um, I would say that I also have a mentor who's really transformed the way I see the business and that's really helped me sort of think about what I'm going to do in the future. And it's been exciting to work with him because he's very generous with his time and his advice and his support. And I think without him, I would feel quite intimidated by making some of the choices that I am making at the moment. I would feel a little bit, you know, I wouldn't want to take as many risks, I suppose. And uh, I wouldn't want to push things as fast as 
I could. Um, so he, he's been great. Um, so, yeah, I would say. Excellent. Yeah. So what are your plans for the future then that you can tell us about today? What exciting things have you got lined up for Powder Butterfly going forward? Um, well, uh, the online developments are going to be the biggest one, I think. Um, and uh, we're going on to one of the biggest marketplaces in the world. And I, for me, that's great. Getting more eyes on the product, getting more sales, um, increasing awareness. Um, and also, you know, looking at trademarking for international trademark is quite exciting as well. Um, we've been approached also by a US wholesaler um, that I think in 2020 we'll start working with. Um, so, so exports are key for you for going I, forward. I, I think so. But yeah. I think also we want to really expand our corporate offer as well to corporate businesses um, and and creating awards and corporate gifts is something that is just really great to do because in retail, you know, yes, you can make the sales and you can, you can, um, you know, get the great stockists on board, but it's so competitive. Um, and with corporate, it just gives us that extra revenue stream coming in that, that it really kind of gives the business some extra, you know, um, support, I suppose in many ways, but, and because think, you make in the UK, you can do that, can't you? Yeah. Because you've got that flexibility. Absolutely. And the corporate work really gets me to exercise my kind of my creative muscles because every every project is completely unique. Um, and it is like an art commissioning process because you it's a project that has a beginning and an end. Um, so, yeah. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Where's the best place to find you? So uh, head over to our website um, and would you provide a link for that as well? We definitely will. We'll put a link in the show notes, yeah. So is that also if someone wants a corporate gift made or anything like that, is that also how they can get in touch with you, Corinne? Absolutely, yes. All of uh, my details are on there, the the email address and phone numbers. So if they've got any ideas um, of what they want to do. The other thing is, is that I think it's good for corporates to get in touch with a company like mine because you might have an event coming up and so busy you can't think of a creative solution for that event and really that's that's where my skills lie is to to look at your company and come up with a really great solution i would say though you know we're i'm the kind of designer who the logo is important but what's more important is that the product that you're giving your clients is something they use again and again and yeah, again exactly not something they yeah. throw away absolutely and it's something that they show off I mean you know that they say, oh have you seen this I got this at this event I went to because then that actually gives you even more marketing for your company because they're sharing it with others um you know and if they share it on social media as well that can only be a good thing for you. So um, for those companies that want something a little bit different um, that's high quality and British made, they should get in touch. Brilliant. So on that note, thank you very much, Corinne. Um, Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Kate. It's lovely to chat to you. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. 
I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.